Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. Jason, it's right after New Year's. What's going on with you, man? Are you, are you having a great day? Or are you tired as hell like I am? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty tired. Yeah, so it's funny because, I mean, dude, like we'll kind of peel back and show people like a peek behind the curtain. We're actually recording this episode. It's Monday night, January 6th. And Mondays for us, are always, always big check-in days. So, I mean, it's 8 o'clock where you're at, it's 7 o'clock where I'm at. I still have a few hours of work left, and I've been going nonstop all day. What um, time did you start? Uh, so, I so I stay up late, man. I did, like, all my monthly taxes and sales tax and starting to get stuff ready for my P&Ls for the gyms. You know, I sold one of them, but I still need to do taxes on all that stuff. So, I mean, I stayed up late last night until, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. So, I got it. I actually got about nine hours sleep, so I didn't really start till like 10 or 11 or something. Ah, but gotcha. it's just, it's, I mean, I don't train on Mondays. It's just been nonstop. Go, 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 go. And, and my clients are like, they're my priority. So yeah, um, quite a few people trying to get back into the, into the swing of things. So, and that kind of goes with our topic today, you know, speaking about counting food and meal plans. So what are you personally seeing with clients as they start to check in over Christmas and New Year's? And I'll kind of give you what I'm seeing now. Um, I gave my, I took a couple of weeks off. Um, like I said, I sold the gym, but I just needed to, I mean, I traveled, I'm like 35,000 miles a share on my car. I was everywhere. I just needed a break to just chill, play some pool, right. sit in my hot tub, just chill the fuck out. So I took a couple of weeks off. And I always give my clients a plan, you know, here's, here's what you need to do. Have a meal on Christmas, maybe a couple, if you have a couple to go to go out and, you know, take your wife out or your husband or whatever on new year's Eve. Um, but I make room for, I deplete them a little bit for a couple of days, just drop their carbs a little bit, um, do pre and post, pre and post workout carbs only just leave them a little depleted. And most people like a plan and it generally works well. But normally what I see is people, once I take a couple of weeks off emails, the thing that I don't like is people get out of their habits that I kind of keep them with checking in. Like they check in, they send me everything that I need to see. Their photos are up to, up to speed. And like people are just checking in at random times and they're just, they're out of rhythm and I get it. So that's, that's kind of what I'm seeing here. And then I'm, I'm really unfucking a lot of issues because you know, for the most part, my clients are really, really good and they follow the plan. But I mean, let's, let's face it, we're human. And if someone's not in contest prep mode, you know, a lot of people, they just take advantage of, of the, the end of the year. They're tired. They want to fucking eat. And they just, they, they end up eating too much. So what I have to do is now we have to spend the next week trying to get the bloat off. And I have them up in their water a little bit extra in the next three or four days. And, and, you know, I told them your diet needs to be spot on perfect. Like we're in prep right now. Like let's get the bloat off. Let's get back to a baseline. So that's kind of, kind of, you know, how things are going for me right now. And it's, I'm getting back into the swing after taking that two weeks off. I'm not going to lie. I was like, shit, man, I forgot what these long days were like. You kind of get used to it. You know yeah, what I mean? No so, doubt. How, how about you, man? Um, <clears throat> I didn't have too many, you know, that went off the deep end, but you know, I, I do things a little different. Um, I used to kind of try to deplete people and give them little plans, but I am going to disagree in that. I think what it does is, is it, it gives them the right to eat like an asshole. And so I don't do that. I basically say, look, like if you want to get up, if you want to look good and you want to stay lean, then you're, you know, eat a meal, but nothing says you have to pig out like a dumbass, like all the other dumbasses out there. 
Um, you know, I had a meal, I didn't track it, but like, you know, I just ate some Turkey and I ate a carb and I ate a little veggies and I had a small piece of dessert. I didn't gain a fucking ounce. So that's what I expect out of my clients. And I think most of them pretty much followed through on it. I did get into one guy's ass because he's been with me for a while and he put on about six or seven pounds cause he knew we were getting ready to cut. And I told him, I said, that's just amateurish bullshit. I'm like, now we got to spend two weeks in your cut reversing the dumb shit you just did. I was like, this isn't your first rodeo. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not happy about this. I mean, and it's not like he's got some awesome metabolism where he's going to drop fast. And he's like, yeah, I know. I just kind of went off the deep end. But generally speaking, I just expect my people, you know, I say, hey, eat for Christmas, eat till you're full, have all your meals that day, train. I don't want them going to the meal super hungry. And so I really didn't have much of a mess to clean up. I had a few people up maybe like two or three pounds, but most people I just held uh, constant because um, they were only up one or two. And I said, that'll be off in a week and then we can resume. Like if we were in gaining phase and we'll, we'll know that we can, you know, get back to it if I need to add food or whatever. So it wasn't too bad. It's just the sheer volume of, you know, this was the first check-in day where people are really like, you know, back into like thinking about their physique where, you know, people take 14 days off um, just in terms of like mental uh, during that time. And so I didn't have as many check-ins during that 14 day time period. So today I'm like you, like I just got done at like uh, probably about 745 and I start at like 830, but I do break to train. Um, but yeah, it's been a crazy day, um, but not, no one went too bad off the rails. And the ones that did, you know, I got up in their ass about it. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess probably 10% is what I, you know, I have 50-50 gen pop and then I have the other percenter are, are uh, you know, physique athletes getting ready to get mm-hmm. on stage. So, you know, I had about 100 check-ins today. I, I would say about 10 people. Most of my physique athletes are pretty good. You know what I mean? Because they're, they, they've been counting the macros. A lot of the times when I have people that are, they're new to it or they're, they're new to sticking to a diet and they, they, they tend to freak out. It's kind of, you know, like you said, amateurish bullshit for a physique athlete. Um, whenever we were all new, like we all had some issues with food in the beginning. And we'll talk a little bit about that today because our topic is going to be flexible and clean eating, maybe even flexible versus clean eating. But really what we're going to talk to you guys today about is an advanced approach for meal plans and counting your macros. So Jason, let's kind of start this off um, as we get deep into this. And then at the very end, we're going to announce our winner for the next um, review. And Jason's got a product to give out. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to hold that to the end. So Jason, let's click off. Let's, let's kick off flexible and clean eating. Um, January's here, man. So what I wanted to do with this show is to set people up for success because let's just face it, January, everybody thinks, okay, it's time to diet. And it might be like, it might be the end of their off season. They're ready to roll and people are starting their plans. Now they're highly motivated. And what I want to do is set them up for, to be able to do this the right way, because a lot of this stuff has been bastardized over the years. And I know I've, I've been partly to blame for that, which we'll talk about, but I want to give these guys some really, really good direction and basically tell them what we do, not just personally, but mostly as coaches. Like yeah. we have a lot of coaches that listen to the show. They'll be able to help their clients. But January's here. Let's set our, our folks up for success. So let's go back and do a little history here um, that will kind of help people see how we have come to do the things that we do because we have to talk about where we started and what we learned. So prior to 2010, Jason, for yourself personally, did you write like meal plans 
or macros. And whenever I say meal plan, let's, if, if you would go ahead and define what the old school meal plan is that we saw in Fletcher sure. Magazine. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> so, you know, a defined meal plan would be where, you know, a coach sets out five or six meals and they give you, you know, your protein, your carb, your fat, your veggie, and they tell you how much to weigh out. Um, sometimes like a lot, actually a lot of times these coaches don't even know how much macros you're really getting. They just say, all right, well, if it's female, we'll do six ounces. If it's a male, we'll do eight ounces of meat. So it's not really, um, tailored, but, um, you know, it, it can work over time once you start pulling, but that's generally what, you know, kind of a meal plan is now in 2010, I was still mainly building, uh, meal plans. I might've kind of introduced, uh, macros as an option, but most of my people, when they would sign up, were taking, you know, where I would fully build it. Um, they didn't want to sit there and pick their own foods. They didn't really want to think about it. They just wanted a meal plan built and then my expectation was this, that they would follow it as it's as it's written. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where I, I came from. And, you know, I then did transition into offering macros around, probably right around 2010. And then by the time 2012, 2013 came around, I was probably 80 to 90% macro um, just because that's what people started to really just prefer. Yeah. So whenever you would get clients that would come to you from other coaches um, or what they were learning themselves prior to 2010, did you see a lot of people counting their macros when they came to you? Um, or did you see, no. see more people like just stick into the meal plans and the, the quote unquote, I mean, there's this, there's this old saying, the six foods at work. Um, well, here's what I would see. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of people would be spot on when they would diet, but then when it when when, when the diet was done, it was like they were just completely clueless. And it was like, well, you know, I didn't want to follow my contest prep diet. So I just have been eating what I want. And it's like, really? Like you didn't learn anything from that 16 weeks with that coach, like even how to pair foods, <laughs> you know? So it was like people were either all on and all in, or they were just not really following anything. And so a lot of people that come to me would be like, yeah, I'm not really following anything. I can't really give you, you know, much of, of what, you know, I do on a daily basis because it's different every day. Um, so it seemed like a lot of people didn't learn a whole lot from having meal plans just built for them. I'm not saying everyone, but that's what it kind of seemed like. Yeah. So I, I started a couple of different ways. Um, you know, we've talked about it on other podcasts we've done, videos. Um, I kind of started out in the body for life arena and there you didn't really track calories. You used your palm and your fist as a method to track protein, carbs, and then you just really, it was kind of a lower fat diet. So what would happen is, you know, if I went out to eat or if I looked at a meal, I would use the, the size of my palm and that would be the size of the protein portion I would yeah. have. So like my chicken breast would be the size of my palm and yeah. the size of my fist would be a carb source. So like a baked potato or a sweet potato, the size of my fist. And then, you know, have a serving of, of clean veggies and clean. I mean, like, I guess clean is not the word, but like just veggies, not butter and stuff like that added. So Usually, you know, you do like five meals like that. Um, and listen, that kind of stuff worked. It was just highly inaccurate. So that's how I learned. Now, when I actually started helping clients um, back in the day as a trainer, I started writing meal plans. So I, I was doing, you know, women four ounces of meat or one scoop of whey protein. Um, and that was pretty much it. 
as far as protein and then carbs would just be like six ounce potato or half a cup of oats. And I didn't really know exactly how many protein, carbs and fats I was giving one. Now I could go in and, and figure that out myself, but it wasn't really until I met Mark Roseman, he tipped stuff from the old message boards. Um, and he had worked with you at one point, yep. he gave me an Excel spreadsheet and he had me actually weighing out my food to the gram. So like if I wanted to get, you know, 30 carbs, I'd have to actually weigh out. It's like 43 grams on a food scale mm -hmm. for uh, oatmeal, for example. And that really started to kind of turn the light on and, and shine it in the direction I needed. So I thought, now I know how many protein, carbs and fats I'm eating. And that helped me start to not really necessarily focus in on certain foods that I was eating, which was kind of what people did prior to 2010. Yeah, and, yeah. and think that there are certain foods you have to eat to diet down. But instead, I started to learn total calories, total protein, carbs, and fats. And that led to all kinds of cool stuff for me. It's like, well, what happens if I lower my carbs and raise my fats and leave protein the same? And it just kind of, that's, that's how I got started. Um, it was definitely an important period for me because if I hadn't have learned that from Mark, and, and you were putting it out on the message boards too as well, yeah. MD and RX, really telling people, listen, you need to weigh your food out to the gram and track your macros, your protein, carbs, and fats. If it wasn't for that, man, I don't know if you and I are sitting here because that to me led to a lot of the success that I had because it, I learned yep. how to be anal. I learned how to 100%. know all the data, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've told him, you know, that he, you know, for all the shit he got on the boards because he was always, he always talked in like, I don't say absolutes, but it was like, I'm right. You're wrong. You know what I mean? And so he took a lot of shit and because sometimes he explained things not exactly right, but he would get the conclusion right. Um, but yeah, I, I told him, you know, I probably wouldn't have the career in coaching if it wasn't for him because up to that point I had been doing all Beverly diets and they never really told you macros. I don't even know if they knew them of the diets. They were just diets that were pre-built and set up for 50% protein, 20% carb and 30% fat. Well, lo and behold, I don't really do well on fats anyway. So none of those diets ever got me shredded. The first time I was really shredded was when I worked with Mark and he showed me a different way to use carbohydrates and, you know, only 15% of your fat intake as, as uh, you know, the calorie, you know, 50% of your calories. Um, and that was the first time I got really, really shredded. So yeah, I mean, no one really probably knows who we're talking about, but you know, it is nice to give a little homage back to, you know, people that got us started and, and we kind of both came from that from that day, you know, uh, same person. Yeah, man. So let's, let's, that's what we see prior to 2010. And then after 2010, we started to kind of see a shift. Um, you and I are responsible for this shift. There are a lot of other coaches I can name. I'm not going to, because I'll leave people out, but there were important coaches that started to get a lot of eyeballs on them and they started to help people understand. Not only do you need to track your protein, carbs, and fats, but Hey, you may not always have to eat just the six foods that work or just foods from the ground um, and we'll get a little bit more into our take on that later but we started to see what would become known as flexible dieting people started calling it ifym if it fits your macros and all that shit but we started to see people start to experiment more with food and i started to personally do it a lot i was having a lot of my clients i'm like because Jason, you know me, like I want to experiment. I want to try shit that's way out there on the far end, the extreme, and I'll do it myself and I'll do it with a few clients. So I had a lot of people trying it and they're eating nothing but just junk garbage food and tracking it. And they were still able to get pretty damn respectable lean. And, you know, once stuff like that starts to spread, 
then everybody starts doing it and then it starts to become the bible that it doesn't matter what you eat all you have to do is hit your macros and that kind of leads us in my opinion jason we'll get yours on what we see today when it comes to people just saying listen just track your macros and don't worry about the food you eat is, is that what you're seeing a lot of still or what's your take on that um you mean as far as like people kind of still like wanting to use a, a good amount of junk is that what you mean yeah, people just not worrying about the quality of food. They're just worried about their macros. Yeah, you know, like, okay. So I think we see it still out there in, you know, Instagram world and, and things like that. Although, you know, I believe that the tides have kind of turned. And I think even the most staunchly um, of the supporters of If It Fits Your Macros now make it very clear that, you know, we probably shouldn't use more than 15 to 20% of junk when they're doing it. So I think the tables have kind of turned and it's been cleared up as far as, you know, people coming to me and wanting help. Um, most of the people that I get when they, at least when they list out their diets, the only times I'll really see any junk is like a post-workout and it might just be like some cereal or something like that. Um, so, you know, I'm not getting flooded with a lot of people that are like, you know, just, just kind of bastardizing, you know, flexible dieting into like kind of adding anything you want. I mean, are you, are you seeing people coming to you doing that? Not as bad. So, and like I said, I think part of this, um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of to blame here because I released this book called the flexible fat loss solution. And even though in there, I told people, listen, eat as healthy as you can, but also eat foods, eat the foods that you like that way that you can stick to the damn diet. And it wasn't necessarily a contest prep book, um, but it would work for contest prep. And it was basically about right. carb cycling, but it was how to use flexible dieting and count your macros. And then I was putting out people like Matt Eubanks, who was getting shredded and winning all these shows and he's eating shit like peeps and pop tarts and just like all this stuff. Um, so I, for my clients, a lot of them were hiring me because they're like, well, fuck, I want to do that. Because back in the day, like it was so taboo, people are like, holy shit, this is like some wizardry, right? So um, I kind of exploited that a little bit too much. But you know what? I learned from it. Um, I see a lot of people coming back. They're having blood work issues later down the road. I'm in the middle of fixing mine. How much of that was caused by, you know, insulin sensitivity issues and inflammation and all that, I can only guess. But that's, you know, that's stuff what we're going to talk about here a little bit later on the episode. But you're right. Now I think it's starting to kind of shift back and it's kind of starting to settle back towards the middle um, because a lot of people are putting out good content about, listen, you do need to try and think about your health. Um, so I, I don't think it's that bad. But let me let me let me ask you this. Here's what I am seeing. And this is this is what I don't like when it comes to people counting their foods and their macros. They're using things like uh, my fitness pal or my macros plus. And I think the art of actually breaking foods down into a meal plan, hitting right. protein, carbs, and fats per meal has kind of gone out the window to now everybody just scans shit with their phone and they don't really plan out per meal. They actually just try and like hit their shit per day. I'm seeing that yeah. a lot, man. What about you? I see it, but none of my, I don't allow it. Um, you know, even, even with my macro plans, I give specific um, guidance to how many carbs, protein, um, and fats I want per meal. Um, so I don't allow it. And then, you know, we've gone one step further and created a whole coaching platform called feed for function and it's got a diet builder in it. And I want my people to partition out meals. I do not allow them to, you know, 
graze all day on maybe 10 protein in the morning, 20 carbs, five fats, and then repeat that a couple of times and then sit down at night and have a 15, you know, hundred calorie, 2000 calorie meal. Um, it's very clear that that's not how they're going to operate with me. I'm sure there are people that do that and it works for their lifestyle to say to stay 12 or 15%. But if you're talking, if you're talking optimal and people hire me because I assume they want optimal, um, none of my people will ever allow that. Now, I mean, if you're never dieted in your life and they came to me and said, Hey, I'd like to learn this. You know, I just want to go from 35% to 20%. As long as they're in a deficit, it's going to work. But I don't really get those kind of people. Everyone who comes to me is looking for an edge and optimal. And so it's just not how my, none of my program is put together to allow that. Yeah. And, and I agree. Whenever I give people plans, like if I have six meals, protein is broken up evenly between all of those meals. Um, there's probably some carb timing going around for most people, yep. always pre post for an athlete. Um, and then fats usually are spaced out. Um, sometimes a little lower yep. around the workout. It just depends yep. on the setup. Yep. Right. Um, Same for me. Yeah. So I, I expect them to do that. I just, I know a lot of people outside of us don't. And the way I look at it, coaches like us and, and other people out there, listen, if a basketball player is going to go play for an NBA coach, that NBA coach isn't going to let them show up in Walmart fucking shoes. And they're going to be dressed wearing everything. They, they're going to be, you know, on time, like to me, people that just kind of wing it, they're, they're those people that aren't really necessarily taking it easy. Uh, they're not taking it serious and they're trying to take the easy route. But what I think it leads to is, um, and get your take on this. I, I see a lot of people reporting that, Hey, I'm having trouble trying to figure out what to eat at the end of the night because I either ate all my food too early or, um, you know, I have a whole bunch saved up like you talked about at the end. Um, do, you, do you think my fitness pal is leading to stuff like that to where they're just kind of they're off at the end of the night and they don't really hit the, the numbers they should hit? You, you know, I, I think I think my fitness pal is a tool and it can be used properly. I think the people who get in that predicament, I mean, they know what they're doing and they choose to eat that way. And, and that's why they've ended up with, you know, too many at the end or, or not enough at the end. Um, you know, I, I think that it's just kind of been bastardized and used that way because the tool is just the tool. It's how people use it. So, um, you know, if they follow their favorite Fitspo or whatever the hell you want to call those people, um, and that's what they do, then, then I guess it's a learned thing. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily my fitness pal's fault. I think it's the, the content and the, you know, whoever's teaching them or whoever they're, they're watching do that in my opinion. Yeah. And I do see a lot of people like that. Um, and a lot of the times people that have elite genetics or very, very good genetics, they can get by with a lot of that shit because everything oh, sure. they do, they're going to have an advantage. Like it just, so then when they try and pass that off to somebody that has shit genetics, like those oh, are the sure. people that really, really have to really have to dig and, and do things to a T. Um, yes. 100%. Unfortunately, <laughs> you know, we all are, 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 you know, have our own unique DNA and unfortunately, you know, some people don't have the metabolism that, that other people have and can get away with, with some of the crap. So, you know, they have to sort through their, they have to sort through and kind of know themselves. And, um, you know, sometimes that's hard to do when you're, when you're first getting into the fitness realm, you know, you don't, you don't really know. You don't really know that how much genetics play into it, how much metabolism plays into it. So I can see where it's very easy to follow, 
you know, someone who looks amazing online, but you, you know, you never really see where they started and they already look badass before they even touched the weight, you know? Right. Right. Um, so I guess what I want us to kind of pass along to either people out there that might, that they might be doing that and they just don't know better. And that's how they learned. Or if you're a coach out there and you're struggling with getting clients to get away from that, that's why breaking your foods down and making a meal plan every day fixes that problem. Then you don't ever have to worry about them trying to figure out a fucking calculus problem at the end of the night. No. Right. And, and, and it just, go and ahead. it just comes with them, you know, the coach giving uh, proper guidance, you know, I mean, if you, if you're a coach and all you do is a quick email that says 150 protein, 200 carb, 40 fat, and you shoot it off and there's no other context and there's no other guidance. Well, then people are going to, you know, kind of do whatever they see online. Um, so yeah, if you're a coach, you got to give the guidance to say, Hey, here's how we're going to break this down. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, so I do want to move on in this next area. I know this is something you and I are really, really big on. I want to talk about insulin sensitivity of meals. And we'll also mm -hmm. talk about the importance of spacing out protein and just overall nutrient timing. So I'm going to throw this over your way, Jason. I had a client hire me. Um, oh, it was last year it was in 2019. And she came to me from another coach and he was just giving her macros. And I think she was eating like 150 protein, a hundred carbs and like 50 fat, right? Just pretty, mm -hmm. just pretty standard. She's trying to get her calories up. So what she was doing, she was working out in the morning and she was only having, you know, protein around her workout and she was saving up her carbs because she wanted to eat a big dinner at home. And yeah. there, there's a, and here's the thing, she was hitting her macros, but you know, she never was explained you know, why you should have carbs, you know, pre-imposed or pre-interimposed depending. So she's a physique athlete. Talk about the importance of insulin sensitivity and why you like to place carbs there versus just hitting a number for the day. Well, so, you know, I like to place carbs, you know, I think if we're discussing this, it's important to understand that, you know, what I'm, what I'm explaining is I like to place carbs around the para-workout area or timing. So that's, your pre, your entry, your post. Um, now, you know, there are ways around the pre, like if you have someone who trains at 5 a.m., you could give them those carbs at, you know, night so that all they have to do is drink a shake and, and head to the gym. But, you know, after you fast all night, you're going to be more insulin sensitive to the carbohydrates in the morning. Um, but really what's really important is getting that intra to help fuel the workout. Um, you're going to recover so much better and so much faster. You're going to notice your, 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 uh, soreness goes down. And then of course, post, you know, the glute four translocation that takes, that takes place, those glute four, um, transmitters come to the surface, which allow the carbs to get into the muscle better. So all that works well post-workout. So in your scenario, the girl, you know, saving it at the end, she's missing all that time where her body's just way more sensitive. So, you know, pre-workout's a great time, especially if it's like one of those things where you can fast in the morning or you, you haven't had carbs since maybe nine o'clock the prior night. Your body's just starved for them usually. Unless you're on a huge like 5,000 calorie diet intake and then your 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 muscle stores are always full then you don't need as big of a meal pre-workout but you know that's a different you know topic um but yeah you you really want to support around the workout for for energy for for pumps for recovery less soreness all those different things and then of course your body is more open to those carbs um definitely 
uh, once you get train and intra and then post. And like I said, pre is kind of going to depend on kind of what your plan is. Like for me, uh, in the off season, I fast till about 11 a.m., hit my big carb meal. So I've set my body up to kind of want those want that food so yeah pre i can argue one way or the other but i really think the intra and the post and and, and when you're looking at it all together that pair workout is really important um it's yeah just, you're, you're way more insulin sensitive I, I know there are people too like especially when they're dieting down and you get back you get down to the real stubborn body fat levels i know there are researchers out there that will say listen it's all about calories in versus calories out as long as you hit your macro as long as you hit your calories that's going to dictate whether you lose or not. But listen, this is the difference between people like Jason and myself and other people out there that understand insulin sensitivity is a very, very real thing, especially when your body gets stubborn. Most researchers are talking about weight loss, guys. We're talking about fucking fat loss. There's a big, big difference in insulin sensitivity once you get down to the nitty gritty. I'm a firm believer makes a, a great deal of difference. And that's why I think things like glucose disposal agents are some of the cheapest, most effective supplements that somebody can take when they're dieting. And a lot of researchers, when you hear, you know, there's some big names in research out there that have large followings on social. They try and make this sound like it's just so simple and they say everybody's cheating on the diet, but it's not, they don't understand insulin sensitivity. They don't understand stuff like that. So guys out there listening, don't get confused when you hear the, the experts in the research world. They're not the ones working with these people in the trenches seeing right. them actually really stall out. And a lot of times they, they have their nutrient timing down. Um, I do want to talk about the importance of spacing out protein. And, and a lot of people don't realize, and there's been numerous studies done. So if a female is taking it, or just say, say a guy, say a guy's taking in um, 250 protein a day. There's been studies done on protein spacing. So if someone just ate two very large servings of protein versus five servings of protein broken down evenly. So maybe five servings of, you know, 50, 50. protein. Yeah, yeah. Versus, you know, trying to break 250 and half of 125. What happens right. when you eat protein is you turn on protein synthesis and that signals your muscle to grow. Um, that's what it is. It's, it's hypertrophy and it turns that process on and protein is what turns that switch on. And if you only do it twice a day with a, with a large serving, you're actually going to get better growth if you spread your meals out. Now there is a point of diminishing returns because if not, we would eat like eight meals a day and get like right. eight spikes in growth. But there is a point of diminishing returns and it seems to be like, you know, somewhere around five meals is pretty good. I like my clients to have six uh, bodybuilders have been doing that for decades. And the research shows that spacing it out, whether the number is the same at the end of the day, spacing it out, you actually get better muscle gain and recovery from the protein. So it really makes sense, first of all, to break down your food into five or six meals from a protein standpoint. But the other thing people don't understand is, and I'll argue this till the day I'm done coaching, a lot of coaches say, oh, it doesn't really matter if you have carbs around the workout or not, but it actually does because carbs do something a lot of people don't realize. When you eat protein, you do turn on protein synthesis. But that process in the body of, of building new muscle, it takes fuel. And when you add carbs to protein, it helps fuel the process of growth. Carbs don't turn growth on, but they fuel that process. And somebody um, did some research. It was Dr. Uh, Gabe Wilson um, back in the day. He did some research where someone post-workout just had a whey shake. Mm -hmm. And then somebody had a whey shake and some carbs added to it. And what he saw was protein synthesis turned on and started to go back down after 90 minutes with just whey alone. 
And then, and I heard this at, I, I might butcher it a little bit. I heard this at University of Tampa at a conference, uh, but I'm pretty close on this. So after 90 minutes, just whey protein, protein synthesis started to drop. But when he added carbs to it, it extended it out to three to four hours. I'm pretty sure it was the four hour mark. So think about that. Whey alone versus whey and carbs, like there's no comparison when it comes to fueling the process of growth. So that's something I always combine with yep. whenever I tell my clients, I'm like, not only is your insulin sensitive sensitivity better, like Jason just said, now you add carbs to the mix and you fuel the process of growth. And that's right when you need it, by the way, is, is right around the workout and after the workout. So I, I don't think a lot of people understand that going in. They're just playing kind of a numbers game, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I mean, if someone is stacking their carbs at the end of the night, just because they enjoy sitting down to a big plate of carbs, they probably are lacking a lot of the, you know, a lot of the nuances that we're discussing right now. Right. Which is why, you know, that's why you and I got together to do this. Like, Correct. Let, let's put this information out. Let's kind of help people. You know, it's elite physique university for a reason. Like we want to help you guys create your elite physique. So this is, this is all good stuff for you guys to kind of store away and, and think about. Um, Jason, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about eating out during prep. So sure. what do you personally allow for your clients um, with eating out? And then I'll, I'll give my take. You know, um, generally I, I have a pretty hard line on, you know, just don't do it if you don't, if you don't have to. Um, it's just so many variables out there. Um, and, you know, a lot of people that come to me, like, you know, they got 30 pounds to lose and we got 16 weeks to do it and we just don't have a ton of time. That said, you know, if you're, if you were someone that stays very lean, you know, eight, 10 pounds off a of show shape, then it's not as big of a deal. Um, you know, I'm in prep and I still eat out with my family. I don't know when I'm going to cut it. Um, it might be six weeks. It might be eight. It might be 10. I'm not sure. I'm going to see how my body's doing, but you know, for a lot of my clients, they just don't stay that close to stage, uh, shape. And so all those extra variables just, you know, they, they use oil when you go to restaurants. You don't know how much meat you're getting. You don't know how much carbohydrates you're getting. So, you know, if it has to happen, um, I always try to say, look, you got a business meeting or something and you've got you've to go and you've got to, you know, take care of business. So you can't just be bringing Tupperware. Maybe you're trying to impress a boss or whatever. So I'm like, look, just get a, get a chicken breast on, on the menu. Tell them you do not want oil on it and then order some steamed veggies. You can always eat your carbohydrates when you get out to the car or maybe you don't get them that meal. I don't, I don't know what plan you're on, but, um, you know, that way you look like you're, 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 you're breaking bread with them. You know, you're, 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 you're sticking to the social norms and, uh, you're not hurting your prep. So those types of things I will work with on a client, but generally speaking, unless I'm awarding a free meal because either they're working too fast or such a long prep. And I just feel like maybe we need a little, little bit of a mental break. Um, otherwise I would rather them, uh, you know, stick to their own food and, and know what's, what's going in their body. Yeah. So I, I pretty much do the exact same thing. I have a form that I send out that gives the guidelines for prep, which are a little bit different than the off season. And yep. in there, I talk about no eating out, only eat the food you prepare and always make sure you always have your meals with you and an extra meal just in case. Um, yep. I remember back in the day, Jason, when you were a lawyer, you dropped your damn sweet potato on the floor and you just picked that shit up and kept eating it because you didn't yep. have a choice, right? <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I always tell people that, but I do say in the case of emergencies, dude, I tell them the exact same thing. 
the exact same thing. You can't go wrong with steamed veggies and a chicken breast. You know that's not going to set you back. If anything, no. it's probably going to be a little bit lower calorie right. than you had planned for that meal anyway. So, um, yeah, here's, so here's the other thing. Let's talk about clean versus flexible foods. Uh, there have been times where I've had to actually go in and change a client's food because I, I, I do give them macros. And I don't make them stick to certain foods, but when I have to go start digging, if someone's not dropping, then I start digging, right? So generally what I do is if someone's dropping and I don't worry too much about what they're eating because they have the guidelines and as long as they're not eating out and they're eating foods that they can track, I'm okay with it until they, until something's not right and my drops aren't working. So I usually start digging in. And what I usually find is when someone's not dropping, they're eating a lot of what I like to call gray area foods. So they're eating things like, I mean, so think about it. The FDA allows what, like 20% variance on their food labels or something like that. So like if a pop tart says 38 carbs, there could be like, who knows how much in there. It could be another seven, eight carbs in there. If you're that a couple times a day. But what I would see is my clients were eating a lot of packaged food. So, you know, they could have been off at five out of their six meals and that's, I don't, I don't necessarily think the types of foods are going to make a big difference in fat loss and says, unless someone's super stubborn. Um, and you know, like, like you said, as long as they're in a deficit, but I want them to be able to eat foods that I know exactly what the hell's in it. We know what's in a sweet potato. We know what's in brown rice. We know what's in oatmeal. When you weigh it out, you don't have to yeah. worry about that big 20% variance so much. Um, so that's, that's what I, that's when I tend to make people eat quote unquote clean. Um, I mean, I want everybody to eat clean as healthy as they can. I'm real big on kind of the, the FODMAP foods. You've kind of opened my eyes to that, yep. even modified Mediterranean. I think it's better on digestion and I think the better digestion gets, the easier it is for people to get leaner, which we'll talk about yep. at some point. But when it, I can just say this guys, whenever I change my clients' foods to cleaning it up, they usually start dropping again. And it's not because there's a ton of magic going on. It's probably just because they're getting way more accurate with their foods that way. What's, what's kind of your take on that? I agree with you on that, but I'm not as uh, lenient as you are. Like, so when I, you know, when I give prep directions, um, I give a, I give a sheet um, that has approved foods on it. And I, I let it be known that it's not exhaustive. So there could be other foods out there, but it's all like perimeter type, you know, store foods. And then in my feed for function database, uh, if something has a green check, it's contest approved. If it doesn't, then they got to run it by me. And mostly it's always going to be non-packaged shit um, pretty much uh, that, I, that I'm wanting them to eat. And if I build your diet, it's all going to be chicken, cream of rice, eggs, whey, uh, sweet potatoes, you know, cooked jasmine rice. Like those are the foods I'm gravitating towards every time I build a meal. And those are the foods that are in my plan right now while I'm prepping. Um, the only food that I really take in are my rice cakes and I've done it with my preps, the 2016 and I did amazing and I did it in my pro debuts and did really well. So those are the only I do and sometimes do program in just to give a little bit of sweetness. I use the caramel ones. They're not super high in sugar. Um, but really right off the bat, I'm asking most people to just use non-packaged foods. Yeah. So are you going to let someone 
prep with pumpkin by chance, canned pumpkin. (laughs) (laughs) You mean five pounds of pumpkin, the John Gorman special? (laughs) Dude, so back in 2010, the last time I stepped on stage, we'll tell just a real quick short story. It's it's kind of funny. Jason's doing my prep and I'm able to, you know, I I ran some foods by you and I think, well, I know you did. You okayed, you okayed pumpkin. So like I had it at one meal. But dude, one can of pumpkin is only 40 carbs. And when you're starving at the end of prep, that shit is so filling, right? Yeah. Well, well, when, especially me, I was a fucking newbie. It was 2010. I just wanted to feel full. Like everybody that preps for the first time, you know that. You're like, God, I just want to feel full again. And I ended up having like, like five cans in one day to hit my high carb day macros. <laughs> and I lost like six pounds the next day. And Jason, you know, it's funny because people that people that know you are going to laugh. Like, dude, you just jumped in my ass, like monotone jumped in my ass because I dropped like six pounds. You're like, how the fuck am I supposed to know if you're losing muscle or what's going on when you're dropping that much? So, um, I'll just put it this way. I never had five cans of pumpkin after that, man, because it was just running straight out of me. Um, oh, yeah. I, mean, I felt full. I felt good. It was good for a day, but uh, dude, you're so pissed. Um, right, anyway, I'm going to sit here and laugh. Because that's those things where you give someone an inch and they take like 18,000 miles and you're like, what right. the fuck? Yeah, no shit. Especially at the end, man, when you don't want to drop six pounds and you're natty yeah. and you're not yeah. big anyway, you're probably no. Jesus, no. dude. So, um, I, I do. So let's talk about the importance. This to me is the crucial part of the episode. Um, when it comes to clean versus flexible foods, let's talk about insulin. Let's talk about high GI carbs. Um, you and I have been pounding on insulin sensitivity. I used to say, and I, I said, I kind of said this, you know, maybe five minutes ago, I said, for the most part, as long as people are hitting their macros, you don't have to worry too much. But I think at some point, when people are eating too many high GI carbs, they're going to spike insulin so much they start to have insulin sensitivity issues. And Jason, if you would just kind of, we're going to do a whole episode on insulin sensitivity. Talk about what happens when people just have insulin through the roof all the time. And if if they're doing this during a prep and using high GI carbs, what's that going to do to insulin sensitivity? And then what's, how's that going to actually slow down fat loss? Yeah. So, you know, Everyone, even with insulin sensitivity and like how we, our body uses our insulin and how sensitive our body and ourselves are to the, uh, to our own insulin, that's all, uh, dictated by genetics environment. Like it's going to be different for everyone. So, you know, some people you're going to say, well, well that person prepped on high GI carbs the whole time and they looked amazing. Well, there are people that I literally will have on six, 700 carbohydrates in the off season. And their, their blood glucose stays like 78 to 80 year round. I'm not that guy. You're probably not that guy. No. Um, so, you know, what happens is when someone's pounding high glycemic carbohydrates, yes, I know the argument protein helps slow the, 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 the speed of, of the emptying of the carb from the gut. I get all of that. Um, but what's happening over time is from high glycemic carbohydrates, as opposed to saying, uh, a cup of oatmeal or a cup of, you know, brown rice, the body releases more insulin to deal with it. There, there's a, there's a quicker release into the bloodstream of, of the glucose and your body's going to react with more insulin released when your insulin is higher and it stays elevated, number one, you're not in a fat-burning state as well. We know to, to burn fat, you want to have insulin at a steady state and a lower state all day. So you're, you're, you're messing with your ability to burn fat. 
But also what happens is when you're spiking insulin high over and over and over and over, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And what happens is the cells just lose sensitivity to it because they're constantly bombarded to it. And so what happens is blood sugar stay elevated. And, you know, that's not good for a fat burning uh, state either. So now you have elevated insulin, um, elevated blood glucose, and it just becomes a situation where the body is not in an optimal state to burn fat. Am I saying you can't burn any? No, because I've seen people with these problems still drop some, but usually they don't make it to the stage. The body eventually, you know, shits out on them and they can't get any leaner. So, you know, does that mean you can't have any fast acting carbs during prep? No, because you're in a deficit and especially post-workout, your body is really desiring carbs. And I think you can have fast acting carbs then. Um, but to take a plan like flexible dieting and say, oh, well, I can just use if it fits your macros and plug in tons of high glycemic carbohydrates, you're doing yourself a disservice unless you're one of those elite 10% who just never loses sensitivity. Yeah, I can always I can always pick people like that out. They're they're fatties like me, and they just they just don't have the best genetics. So I can tell you guys right now, uh, lower GI carbs are going to win every single time in that situation. They do for me. I, mm -hmm. I can just tell you they do for me all the time. Now, for some people, I and I tell clients this whenever they hire me, if they are, and I've tested this with a glucometer, if they are going to have something like low fat ice cream or something that's, that's, that's really fast digesting a pop tart or just, you know, whatever people crave. I've actually tested this. So I've, I've eaten chicken breast and broccoli. And then I ate my, my low fat ice cream after, and I tested on a glucometer. And what happens is whenever somebody eats meat and veggies, it sits in your stomach and it actually closes off and it has to really break that down to, to kick it out into the next part of digestion. And we're not going to go through all that because people, it'll put them to sleep. But it actually slows down the release of everything if you put meat and veggies in there first, and then the ice cream is going to sit in there with it. It's going to slowly get it released along with the meat and the veggies. Now, if I eat ice cream first, then I eat meat and veggies after, the ice cream is going to be in and out of there in a heartbeat. Yep. Like it doesn't take hardly any time to break that down, but your body's not going to just release a bunch of of um, veggies and meat, it fuck your digestion up. So it's one of those things where I've seen it on a glucometer, a hundred points difference in some cases, whenever wow. you do it. So at least if people are going to do that, at least eat meat and veggies first, yep. save your real high GI carbs. But even on my sheet, I tell people, I'm like, listen, strive to eat as healthy as you can save that stuff for like, if it's going to keep you from cheating on your diet, you need to have like a, you know, 50 carbs from a bowl of ice cream at one of your meals. I'm okay with that, but make sure you do this. And, and then I need them to talk to me about it as well. So that's the only time I, I've seen it kind of help. And even then, if it's real, if someone's real, real stubborn, they just have to cut it all out, man. Yep. Um, they just, they just, they have to, and that's not popular. It sure as hell wasn't popular five years ago because you have all these experts on social media out there bashing, saying that clean eating, you know, it's not superior. Well, I disagree because look at insulin sensitivity. That that's yeah. a very very real thing. One hundred percent. And I mean, you know, bombarding your body with sugars as well uh, increases inflammation, um, gut inflammation, all those different things, and that can always lead back to you know insulin insensitivity as well. So you know, I listen. If you're trying to be optimal, it's just not the way to do it. If you're trying to go from you know thirty percent to eighteen percent you can probably get away with a lot of it because at that point calories are going to 
probably dictate most of your most of your issues. But getting down to five percent body fat with with shredded glutes, you know, you need everything on your side as much as you can. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. So let's let's kind of wrap this up. So for the people that are getting ready to start prep, or if you're a coach and you're getting ready to help your clients start prep, Jason, give a rundown real quick of what say say you've got a client starting this week. Give us a rundown of what you want to see from that client when it comes to foods, meals, preparedness, the whole nine yards. So you mean like if I'm programming uh, for for a for a client? Right, right. You're sending them. Okay. You're sending them their diets, um, but they're going to pick their foods. And okay. what what are you what are you telling that person? If, if yeah. you can talk to them right now through the podcast, what are you telling our listeners? Yeah. So it's a lot of things I've already kind of stated, but for me, you know, I I don't really like to waste time or try to figure out if they're one of the ten or fifteen percent elite that can get away with, you know, more sugar and all the packaged foods. So like I said, uh, my plans are set up to mainly, you know, the foods that are going to be picked are the ones that, you know, like I said, are more around the perimeter of the grocery store. Um, I use a lot of eggs, whey isolates, um, sweet potatoes, uh, cream of rice, uh, brown rice, white rice, jasmine rice, um, fish oils. I'm a big believer in um, extra virgin olive oil, mac nut if they need, you know, more oils or fats in their plan. But generally speaking, you know, the sheet that I send out has pretty much mainly clean foods on it and um, everything in my database for building diets. Uh, uh, the green checks are all, again, going to be more of your non-prepackaged foods. Um, and that's just kind of how I, I like to go about it because I, I, I'm, I'm being paid, if it's a competitor, to get you peeled and to get you to win or be your best and beat what you were prior. Okay. And so I'm going to take the fastest route from a to Z to do that. Um, if along the way we find out that maybe you're not that cut out for dieting and you need some ice cream post-workout or you need some cereal, we will have a discussion about it. We'll put it in, uh, here and there as you need. And you know, Hey, maybe you'll get just a shred it. Maybe you won't, but I like to assume that, uh, most of my competitors are, it's not their first rodeo. Um, and, it, and usually it's not, and I'm being hired to get them from those second and third place finishes that a lot of them all are always coming in at to get them to first and then to work them up to nationals. And so I'm going to take the most optimal route to do that, whether we're talking hormones, digestion, food or whatnot. Um, so that's how I deal with competitors. I, I, I treat them like they are coming to me because they want to win. Um, so I'm going to take the fastest route that I, I believe in. And that's, uh, mostly clean food, non-prepackaged and, uh, just get down to it. Yeah. And you know, we have, we have such a diverse dynamic here on the show too, because another, another, um, section of people that I want to focus on is even though this is elite physique university and we're talking about bodybuilding guys, there are a lot of people out there like me who I'm never going to step back on stage, but listen, if I want to diet down, for the summer, or if I just need to like, fuck, if I'm just getting too heavy, like usually every year I have to diet down just a little bit, not a ton, but if I'm getting too heavy and I want to diet down, a lot of this stuff still applies. However, it's not the extreme that you see whenever you're trying to get somebody at 5%. So like Correct. if I need to diet down to 12, for example, um, or other people on here listening, 
I do allow some adherence, some stuff to help with adherence. So yes, if, if you yep. want to have one or two meals, as long as you do things like I talk about, you know, have your meat and veggies first, then eat your higher GI carbs yep. second, strive to eat as healthy as you can, but don't eat so clean if it causes you to have an issue with food and then you cheat on the plan. Because as a coach, if, if I've got someone who's not a bodybuilder and they're cheating on their plan, I've got to find another way to help yeah. them get to their area. Now, listen, if you're getting on stage, you just got to fucking suck it up. Like that, that's part of what you signed up for. But if yep. you're someone like me, you know, you have to be able to find a plan that's adherence. And that's kind of where this is an art form. That's why where it kind of comes in where when someone's getting on stage, you just tell them, Hey, listen, this is, this is what it is. Let's just, I told someone today, this is something I like to say, eat the same things every day for a while. Everything is working. Eat the same things every day. Go train, do your cardio, get the same amount of sleep, drink all your fluids, rinse, repeat, and do yep. that for two weeks. And if you're not yep. dropping, then I know I probably need to make and make an adjustment for you. But I tell people, rinse, repeat. Be, I tell them, get into robot mode, like be a machine. That's 100%. What, that's what you have to do. And it really, it's really that easy. I mean, I believe I'm a good bodybuilder. Not a great bodybuilder, but a good bodybuilder because – I've been able to live Groundhog Day in terms of my eating, my sleeping, my you know my all my rest, my recovery for twenty plus years. That's the only reason, you know. And so, it's such a consistency type thing, and that's what's going to yield results. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Finally, just the last thing we'll kind of touch on, which we'll allude to a future episode. I'm I'm in the works with getting um, a. a an expert, a doctor to come on and talk. We're going to break down all kinds of stuff when it comes to cholesterol and blood work and just overall health. And guys, you have to keep that in the back of your mind. I know we've got people in their twenties listening. They're not really too worried about their cholesterol levels, but guys and girls that when you're starting to get in your thirties and especially in your forties and over, you really need to start to pay attention to things like inflammation and insulin sensitivity and how that stuff can actually be tied to some pretty shitty health issues. Um, man, almost all heart attacks, Alzheimer's, diabetes, a lot of that stuff is tied to insulin sensitivity or insensitivity. Like it, it depends on your level of it. Um, so I, I do want to kind of allude, we're going to have other people on the show to talk about that, but please guys try and eat as healthy as you can, but still be able to fit to your plan. Um, anything else, man, that you think that we need to cover before we wrap this up? Hmm. You know, I, I think you, you made a really good point at the end, and I think people need to understand when they're listening to it, we cover a wide gamut, um, and we talk to a wide audience, you know? And so the, the, the best plan of eating for you or anyone else, aside from getting on a, sh on, on a stage, is the plan that you can stick to day in, day out for a very, very long time. So if that means once a day you need a bowl of cereal post-workout and you need a protein bar worked into your macros at night because you just have a huge chocolate, you know, um, fiending and, you know, hey, those things, if that keeps you on your plan, like you said, John, then do it, you know, but, but when you make that switch to get on a stage, look for optimizing everything wherever you can. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I don't really have anything else to add except for 
We have a winner to announce. So guys, here's what we're doing. We're looking at the reviews, mainly on iTunes, but I'm also looking at screenshots that are done and put up on Instagram stories. You can tag, uh, you can find me on Instagram at team underscore Gorman. You can search Scooby Prep on Instagram, tag us. We'll see that stuff. I keep track of it, and then I pick winners each week. I just throw names into a hat. So the more you put it out there, the more I have your name in a hat. And, dude, we're starting to really get up there. Like, we're well, well into the 60s. We're probably going to be um, into the 70s by the time this happens, and we're only, like, five episodes in. So that's pretty cool. Thank you, guys. We really, really appreciate that, Jason and myself. And, uh, Jason, you're going to give away a new ethics product. So are you going to give away Cordy's or GDA Max? Um, you know, we'll go with Cordy's, but if the person listening like contacts me and says, you know what, I really just prefer GDA Max, I- I'm cool with it. Awesome, man. That's really cool. Uh, we appreciate all the support from New Ethics. So the winner this week is Miss Tally Up. Miss Tally Up. Uh, hit me up <laughs> on Instagram. Send me a message and I will get you connected to Jason. Or you can just contact Jason, either one of us, doesn't matter. Yep. Um, and we will get you um, taken care of. So guys, we don't ask for anything on this show, except please stop what you're doing now that the episode's over, leave a review, give us a a rating, a star rating, and write something in there that way that we can see it, and um, just tell a friend. Like, that really helps us grow the show. So Jason, I know you've got a a cool weekend coming up. You're getting ready to go talk at the Physique Education uh, Collection Collective. I always butcher that (laughs) Um, pretty good panel you guys have so i'm I'm excited next week to record and kind of give your uh your review so stay tuned for that guys i don't i don't want to spoil it too much but basically you guys have something going on really really good and also over at your your other podcast the excellence cartel have you guys talked much about that i haven't been able to listen i've been yeah we um you know we've been pushing the physique education collective and so far we're sitting at uh 26 attendees which, um, Hey, that, that's, that's pretty, pretty good for, you know, starting out. And, um, we do have a great panel. Um, we hope to keep bringing these to people and we're looking to bring one out in April that will be in Nashville. So great city, great location. It's going to be at Jeff Black's gym iron house, which is an amazing place. So if you missed this one, uh, watch my Instagram, watch, uh, the physique education collective Instagram for dates on April. Yeah, that'll be cool, man. And guys stay tuned because Jason and myself are actually going to start doing elite physique university seminars, one day seminars. Um, Jason, I do have a date. I'll shoot you the email after that. Um, We've got a plan around Jason's prep, which is going to kind of be cool because Jason will be really, you know, knee deep in competing and doing shows. So to be able to come hear him speak, um, you know, we'll all train and have a good time yep. to be able to, to get somebody that's getting on an IFBB pro stage. I think the Q and A's at these are going to be a lot of fun. Um, so that's, that's going to be a real interesting time, but stay tuned for that guys. Of course, we'll, we'll let you know here on the episode and on our social. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. We both have some work left. So for myself, <laughs> Jason, we're out of here. Thanks guys. See you guys.